0: Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams, and today I am welcoming back one of our all-time favorite and most frequent podcast guest, Kelly Mentor. Kelly is a Bible study author, a speaker, a podcaster, all the things. And she is here to discuss week two of our Everything New series with us. But before we get to the episode... One quick reminder, you all, it is time to order your Lent 2024 resources. I know it's hard to believe. I know we just said Happy New Year last week, but it is time to get everything in your hands so that you can be ready for the start of the Lenten season. What you're going to want to do is go to shopshereadstruth.com, and you will see Lent will be front and center, and you can use the code Lent Pod 5. That's L-E-N-T-P-O-D, the number five, for $5 off your Lent 2024 experience bundle. Now, what is the experience bundle? I'm glad you asked. You will get both of the reading guides, the daily reading guides that we will be going through during Lent. First, we'll be doing People of Remembrance, and then we'll be doing the Gospel of Matthew together. You'll have both of those reading guides, 12 card sets for each of those reading plans, plus a companion devotional that is exclusive to the Lent Experience Bundle so that you can be offline as much as your heart desires or as much as you and the Lord have decided for Lent. And you'll also get your Lent 2024 companion guide that will just help walk you through the season. So, That's Lent Pod 5 for $5 off. That's good through the 14th. So head over there today and place your order. And now it's time to get to week two of everything new with our dear friend, Kelly. Let's get right to it. Kelly, welcome back for, are you ready for it? The eighth time. Come on. Come on. Uh, I mean,
1: I should have like stock in this. Listen, I have
0: had on my kind of mental in actual like a physical to-do list for quite a while. Like what sort of like Letterman jacket or (laughs) something can we get for Kelly?
1: Right. I know I need something. Or just some swag.
0: Open invitation to just be the third co-host. See,
1: I would love that. I would (laughs) love that. In your spare time. Yeah, that's the thing, because we are made of spare time. Correct. I mean,
0: we have nothing if not (laughs) mince amounts of spare time. Well, you are so gracious to join us. And here's one of my favorite things about you, Kelly, is that it doesn't matter what we serve up. You say yes, like you are God. willing. Listen to all of the yeses you have given us. You've did two Genesis episodes way back in twenty twenty. We were like pre pandemic. We didn't know. We didn't know what was coming. Ecclesiastes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's you right. Remember that. I remember that. Faith and practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good one. I hope we go back to that sometime soon. This is the Old Testament, which I'm pretty sure. We were in Ezekiel. Yeah. I'm just going to mm-hmm. yeah, make it clear. And then we did actual Ezekiel, oh, like read okay. through Ezekiel. There we go. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then Hebrews, which is such a like, straightforward, easy read in the New Testament. Sure.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. But here's what I love is that you just treasure God's Word— and we were just talking before we hit record about
1: before I spilled water all over the podcast <laughs> studio. I mean that, just so we're also clear it's you, it's about also, a couple of things.
0: It's your studio too. So I've been it's here fine. for three minutes and destroyed the studio. <laughs> no, so no, it's it. that's what paper towels are for. We were talking about studying scripture and doing so like personally, academically, all the different ways. And I just love that your drive to not know Scripture for the sake of knowing Scripture, but to know the Lord. Because I think mm-hmm. if, you're, if your motivation was just to have more head knowledge, I think you would have been tired out by now, <laughs>
1: don't you think? <laughs> do I not look tired to you right you now? Don't? No, I'm just you don't. You look great. No. Well, thank you. And I really do. I think that part of this is just that the Bible, the scriptures. They saved my life. I mean, they really mm. did. It's not an understatement or an overstatement or whatever. It's I true. just yeah. yeah, just a lot of questions that I had, some depression that I was dealing with, fears that I was dealing with, especially in my younger years. yeah, and it was going to the scripture, even the passages that I wrongly interpreted at the time that I didn't understand or that terrified me because I didn't understand them right. Or, but, being in the Word of God and His faithfulness to change me. And of course, we know that the Bible itself doesn't change us. It's the God of the Bible that changes us. But as we study His living Word and we say, okay, Lord, I want to follow You. I want to be obedient to You. And His Holy Spirit gives us the grace for that. It physically transforms our lives. like It makes us into different people. And I think that is why I'm so passionate about his word because, you know, we've talked about this too, just what's going on culturally and how, you know, I don't have children of my own, but I'll just say our kids collectively because I care about this next generation and my own nieces and nephews are being exposed to so much. And it's like, the only chance that we have is to know who God is and how he's called us to live and for him to change us. And the only way I know to find that out is to know what he has told us about himself and about what he's given us through his son and how we're to live. And so I get excited about it because it's just so life-changing to me. And I don't see how we separate our theology from the way that we do life, you know, right? And so it's like this is just what a wonderful hour to spend on. The concept of all things being new, and what does this actually look like on the ground for us? Yes, absolutely.
0: I think it's so fascinating that you pointed out that even, you know, when you were younger, and I dare say we still can wrongly interpret scripture, but like that, that God is faithful to work through His Word, it is a means by which He transforms us. Yes, and so, you know, we prayed even before we hit record that, like hey, you know, Lord, so many of these passages make us feel like we're in over, you know, out of our depth. Yeah, like Revelation is, in terms of interpretation, Revelation is difficult Uh for everybody. everybody. I mean, people devote their whole lives Mm -hmm. to this. And so it's going to happen that we're not going to fully understand all the things all the time that we need to read in Scripture and... God still 100% absolutely works through his word, through his spirit to instruct our hearts mm-hmm. and transform our lives and it does make like our actual lives that we walk out day to day look different because of that. Yes. And so our shared passion is to not only experience that for ourselves and the people in our immediate, like closest circles, but to invite other people in Mm -hmm. and say, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Like you can read this. It's for you too. It's not only for the seminarians. Right. It's not only for the pastors. It is for the children of God to Mm -hmm. learn about God. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's just so exciting. It is. It is
0: exciting. And speaking of complex, this reading plan is really different than any reading plan that we've done before. And so, Kelly, our friend Jessica Lamb was on last week and we talked about this everything new. We're in the second week of a six week series called Everything New. Mm -hmm. And we kind of gave an overview. And I don't normally say this, but I would, if you haven't heard last week's episode, I think it would be helpful to maybe pause us right now, go back and listen to it, and then come pick back up with me and Kelly now. Because this is one where, because we're not reading like straight through a book of the Bible, it is helpful to kind of get the 30,000-foot view of what's Mm -hmm. happening in the reading plan. Mm -hmm. And so kind of in a word, not a word, a few words, (laughs) I'll tell us what that is. So we are talking about, there is a promise in Scripture, Kelly, that... God is making all things new. Mm-hmm. Not all new things, mm-hmm. but all mm-hmm. things new. Mm-hmm. And we are looking at Scripture to see what does that mean. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we had to sort of start kind of at the end and the beginning.
1: Yeah. That first day gives a nice overview uh-huh. because you start in Genesis where God is creating things brand new. Right. And And it's all good. And it's all good. And of course, then there's this fall. And so you fast forward here a few thousand years, and you get to Paul's epistle, Romans, where it says that the creation's groaning for a second return of of all all things new. And then you've got Revelation where it talks about the new Jerusalem. So you kind of have the beginning, the middle, and what we're looking forward to. So that first day... At least that's how it looks to me, that that's how the first day has been put together.
0: That's exactly right. And that where we are are going, that hope is a future hope, that everything mm-hmm. will be good mm-hmm. again, that mm-hmm. that will be restored and whole. But what Jessica and I really talked about last week is if the promise is simply, and I say simply, but you know my heart, you guys, if the promise is simply that is heaven. Like after we die, Mm -hmm. we're in heaven. That is not a small promise. That is a big, meaningful deal, right? And that is not the fullness of the promise because that hope for all things new actually begins now. It has already begun. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about how, well, if our hope is only for the future, then what do we do about right now? Uh Yes, And why are we here? Mm-hmm. And so we talked about how this concept, when we really dig in and see what Scripture has to say, it not only gives us a future hope; it gives us a present hope because it gives purpose and meaning and context to the life we're already living.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yes, the yeah. just
0: normal everyday lives, trials, joys you know suffering all the things that are happening in our life right now take on a different life like when we look through this lens where you know and not only is this something that God is doing he is also doing this through and in us mm-hmm. like we get to be agents yes. of this life yeah. that he brings and
1: there's a hope and when we have hope That's for what's right. coming that gives us a hope in the present. That's right. And a joy, even if there is this, like, I love that Romans 8, 19 through 22, where that creation is eagerly waiting, but it's groaning, but for God's sons to be revealed. And that creation that was subjected to futility uh, will be set free. And I love this, from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children, because we see this bondage to decay that's happening all around our world, and yet when we have this hope that we know that this is not the end, that's right. it really does change our perspective that's for right now. It's just that I think in our Western culture, up until recently, I think we've kind of been able to just go, well, I'll worry about that later because life's pretty good right now. Mm. But for anyone who has suffered or who really begins to see the fabric of society falling apart yeah. and where things that we used to be able to count on, we aren't able to count on like we used to be able to, it makes us go, wait a minute, so what is coming? Yeah. What, what do we have to look forward to? What are those promises? So I think it's good. I think we're in a place right now where we're maybe more open to hear about the new heavens and the new earth. Right. You know?
0: Because we are keenly aware of the need for that, the lack of that that we have now. You yeah. know that. I mean, for example, Monday's reading is titled Decay and Flourishing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Jessica and I talked about last week is how you know, we've got these bookends of of Eden, sort of, you know, uh-huh. like you've got Eden where there was creation and everything was good and God dwelled with humanity. Mm-hmm. And you've got Revelation... 21, that we read over and over in this reading plan, which I love. Like, we just continue to return to some of these same passages because it's necessary to set some of these passages alongside others in Scripture to see how they talk to each other, Mm -hmm. right? And so you've got Eden, but then you also have an eternity in the new heavens and the new earth when God dwells with humanity again and everything is good. Yes. Well, and then Jesus is the coming of the kingdom of heaven to the brokenness of earth. And so we talked about how there's this, right now, we're not in one or the other. We're in this like overlap. The already but not yet. Yes, yes. I mean, that could have been another title for the reading plan, right? If that were ours to use. like There is this messy middle Mm -hmm. that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And so that is kind of what we're looking at this week is... The both and. Yes. So for Monday, you know, decay and flourishing, we'll read abdication and dominion, suffering and healing. It's both
1: mm-hmm. and. So, Amanda, you asked this question though at the top like, what does this mean for right now? Yeah. And one thing that I always go back to, and this is not in the reading plan, but it speaks to the reading plan, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, mm-hmm. where Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old Mm -hmm. has passed and see the new has come. And then he says that everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes. So that restoration. So even though it's not—this restoration has not been— Complete by any stretch, mm-hmm. and we're still looking for that day, that new Jerusalem where there will be no more tears and all of the suffering and pain will be gone, and we will be restored to, you know, Eden will be restored in a sense. We have kingdom power right now, yes. we do have new life, and this it's not like we're in this total no man's land where it's like right. we just got to sit here and gut it out That's until right. the Lord returns. No, there's an absolute power, yes, that we have. And we are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We have been transferred into the kingdom of light in Colossians 1. So I want us to hear that when we read about Revelation and this newness, part of that reality is available to us right now. And we should be able to see some of this reversal happening when we look at broken relationships and families, when we Mm -hmm. look at people who do not have Christ. I mean, there's someone in my life right now that— I don't know if she's a believer, have gotten to know her, has been in our community with us, and I'm seeing transformation happen. Mm. I'm seeing life happen Yes, because there is a power that is outside of ourselves. Jesus' spirit is with us. Yes, It's like, yes, we should look forward to this when it's going to come in full, but I think we leave a lot on the table if we just think, oh, I just got to gut it out because it's like, no, he's making things new even Right now. Right In our lives.
0: Yeah. And when we start to look for that, I think we see it. I think Mm -hmm. we can see it. And of course, we can also see the darkness, right, and the brokenness. There's both. Both are present. But the thing about being a follower of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit, who is present among us, is also present in us, and we are called to be ambassadors of light mm-hmm. and life and peace and reconciliation, all of those things that are ours in the gospel are now ours to share through the message of the gospel Yes, and not only through our words. In fact, probably most of the time, not through our work right? Like through our actions in the way that we live our lives. And even when it doesn't involve another person. You know, we were talking last week about... The things that, you know, that like cleaning my home can be an act of of like renewal mm-hmm. and restoration. And because everything suddenly, everything hits different mm-hmm. when you're thinking about that God is actively working to make all things new. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and submitting ourselves to Him, you yes. know, for that. I do just love this one verse on that very first day. And this is out of Revelation 21, verse 1, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride, adorned for her husband. And that, what it says, the sea was no more. One interesting tidbit about that is I used to always be like, but... I love the sea. Like, I know why is the sea why is he taking the sea away? And one thing I've learned is that that most likely that is a metaphor because the sea was chaos in ancient, you know, it was perceived as a place of chaos oh, and wow. what could not be governed. The sea historically when you look throughout the Old Testament, that's sort of what it represented. And then it was also a place where boats would would sink and where people would drown and where there were storms and violence and so it's not necessarily that there's not going to be water or seas more likely it's that there's not going to be chaos wow there's not going to be sudden destruction there's not yeah. going to be that which cannot be tamed Ugh. and i love that picture and then of course this new jerusalem coming out prepared like a bride adorned yes. for her husband so you know we get i think pictures of the church here And so it's just like we are being prepared for the Lord, and what a blessing that we get to look at this. And I think, again, like when I'm in the Amazon with Justice and Mercy International, and I'm talking to people that live in such hard conditions, pastors and their wives and things that are ministering in obscurity, when we read a text like this, you just literally while you're reading the text, not even speaking about it, you hear people just crying out like, hallelujah, Mm, tears mm. streaming down their faces, you know, because... They're living for this. Like, yes. they are not living for the moment. You know, they're like, mm. I can go on because that. Yeah. I know that is coming. And that's that's exciting. It is exciting.
0: And so it really is. I feel myself in this reading plan perhaps more than any that I can recently remember in these conversations struggling to find, like, the right English words to communicate mm. This, because that that you just described, is so real and is biblical and is true and good, and there is also the you know the stuff that's happening in the present and the way that the future affects how we live in our present, and it is all of that, Uh and it just it makes me excited because this is the vastness of our God. Of the gospel message, of the, I mean, if we can hardly wrap our brains around the renewal and the restoration that is already happening, and, you know, not to mention what is coming, Mm -hmm. like, how good is that? Like, that is so good. And there are things, you know, that whole like cling to what is clear. Like, we don't know everything Mm -hmm. about the life to come. But there are some things that are really clear, yeah, and yeah. those things are enough mm-hmm. to make you want to like run around and high five. And yes, and that it's going to be
1: a city and yes. a place. I mean, we get to it, but the thousand year rain and the different. This is not just us floating around. Bodyless, I was just about to say, yeah. you know, I I'm mean, we're going to be, yeah, no, I mean, there, I think it's going to be a restoration of this our very earth and of us, yes. and you know, it's going to be incredible. And I, another passage that I think you come back to quite a bit is verse 22 of Revelation 21 on yes, that same day. so good. And I love where John says, I did not see a temple in it because hmm. the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. That is so incredible because, and this is where I have been doing a lot of study, yeah. is the exile. When you go back into the Old Testament, the temple had been destroyed. We get right. that in Ezekiel. And that was like, we don't even have—we don't have any kind of an understanding of what it would have been like for the temple in Jerusalem to have been destroyed. Like, we don't have a category for that. It's not as important as a church building is. New Testament times, the church is—it's the people, not the building. It's not the same. And so the temple was where God met with his people. And so we know— that there was the tabernacle, and then when Solomon built that temple, man, that was so incredible, in Jerusalem and all of this. And when that was destroyed, well, everybody goes into exile— and then approximately 70 years later, you've got that first wave of people under Zerubbabel that go back from hundreds of miles away in Babylon to go back to Jerusalem to what? Rebuild the temple. I mean, mm-hmm. they give their whole lives to go back and do this. Well, there's a lot of opposition and everything. Well, they finally rebuild it. Well, then you get to Jesus' time, and Herod's basically blown over that thing and built the big temple. And, yeah. And then... Jesus says that crazy, powerful (laughs) words. The you know unbelievers are like Jesus is talking about the temple, and he says this thing is going to be destroyed, and in three days I'm going to raise it Uh up. And and the unbelievers are like, what are you talking about? I mean, this that's not even possible. This took decades for us to Herod and his team to build this. Right, and it says, but they didn't understand that he was talking about the temple of his body. Right. So you have the death and the resurrection, which allows us—because the temple is where people met with God. Right. And when Jesus was resurrected, now we have access to meet with the living God. But here in Revelation, in the day to come, there's not even going to be a temple in this New Jerusalem because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb, Jesus, they are it. And it shows here that we're going to have uninhibited access. Yes. To the Lord, which is beyond anything I can really get my head around.
0: No, there... Yeah, because I think the only time that I can think of, really, that we see that kind of dwelling with and that kind of access in Scripture is in Eden. Mm -hmm. Is the like... Yes. And we don't even really see it, but we get hints Mm -hmm. at it because chapter three, after they've sinned and, and they hear God walking in the garden. Yes. And of course... That access is different because they have sinned. Sin has entered the picture. But what it does is it brings to mind kind of an image of what it had been like before that, which was them dwelling together in a place where they had everything that they needed there was no brokenness, there was no death, there was no shame.
1: And that shame is the big word. You just that is you hit it, on yeah. it. After that sin, right. they felt shame. Right. They felt naked. And all of a sudden, it's like now what do we do? Right. And so even in the old
0: testament, when, you know, I think about Moses got to be in God's presence, but There was brokenness. There was sin. Moses was a man with sin. So it just is different. So there's not only the access and the like dwelling with, there's no cause for alarm. Mm. (laughs) You know, there's cause for worship and reverence. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine Mm -hmm. being in God's presence and not being ashamed? Right. But and not just like in theory. I have a hard time being in prayer in God's presence and not feeling shame. Mm-hmm. Like I work on, I'm working on that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be physically present, I yeah. you know, no, away from and, the body and, and home with the Lord. And that's
1: the thing is it's like it's more than just this place of like floating around or whatever cuz access to the Lord and think about the temple too. What was one of the main reasons for the temple is so people could bring their sacrifices to atone for sin. Yeah. Well, now it's like nope. That's not going to be there. There's not going to be a sacrifice of atoning for any sin because yeah. the Lamb has already done it. Right. He's already done that. And the city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is Jesus, the Lamb, Jesus. And I love this. The nations will walk by its light. Yes. Can you imagine? Because the nations are not walking by the light of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're in the condition that we're in all over our globe. And so there's so many promises here that when we look into it—and I love, too, nothing unclean will ever enter it. Mm. And I love that, too, because when you look at the book of Nehemiah, how does that book end? It ends in disaster because he had built the wall, and they were supposed to protect and the people were supposed to live righteously inside and then they just start desecrating the Sabbath and mm-hmm. they're you know, they're breaking all the rules and evil is going in and out of the gates. Yeah. And and then of course in Ezekiel and, and in other places where the temple's being desecrated. It's like we're just not gonna have to worry about any Right, and nothing bad is going to get in. Yeah, there's
0: not any waiting for the other boot to drop. Yeah, you know it's yeah, um, which is another thing that is always kind of there. It's like even Uh in even when things are going well, like you said earlier, it's like everything's great. Yeah, if it is, it doesn't stay that way. Uh You know, like it's. I mean, Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble," Mm -hmm. and we do. We do Mm -hmm. have trouble in this world. Hey friends, taking a quick break to let you know about a special deal that we have going on in the She Reads Truth online bookstore. It is the new year and we all want to be diligent about filling our hearts and our homes with truth and we have a shop full of truth-filled products for women, men, and kids in our online bookstore at shopshereadstruth.com. And right now, until January 14th, if you spend $75 or more, you're going to receive a free Tune My Heart art print, plus free shipping. So head to shopshereadstruth.com to get your free gift. And remember, the best way to stay in the know about all of these things, discounts, new reading plans, all things SRT, make sure you're signed up for our text message club where we can send you alerts. Text the word podcast to 844-979-3341. Do not worry, we will put this number in the show notes in case you're driving. That's text the word podcast to 844-979-3341 to subscribe to our text club today. Okay, back to the show. I thought it was so interesting. Tuesday's reading, we read about abdication and dominion, mm-hmm. and this one really mm. got my like wheels turning because first. So we've already talked about how you know God's creation in the beginning was good, and His creation of humans, made in His image, that was good, mm-hmm. and then He commissions us to. Flourish, to be fruitful, to rule, and to cultivate, which like caught my eye because I knew I'd be talking with you, Kelly, and you named you had a ministry or like a part of your ministry called cultivate. Yes, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I thought, man, like, what does that mean? That word, what does that really mean? And why is there so much imagery in these readings about? Ruling,
1: mm. I'm
0: not comfortable thinking of myself as a, <laughs> as ruler. a ruler. Yeah, right.
1: right. Like, but what is <laughs> Well, especially your personality, it? you're so dear Mm-mm. and sweet, and like, yeah, Mm-mm. you're you're not the person that comes in and like I'm gonna be ramrods honest. people. <laughs> I
0: prefer to be ruled and not to rule. Like I had, like I'm a great follower. I'm a really good follower. Oh, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, but what is this? And that that we were called to. What does it mean that we have abdicated? That calling—it's so interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, some of the—I mean—Old Testament themes of ruling had to do with justice, yes, and righteousness and peace. Yeah. Those were some of the you know ancient Jewish themes. So when we think today of ruling, we might think of some. Presidents that we really don't like, or we might think of right. some, you know, international rulers that we really don't like. and We might yeah. think of people who rule out of pride or they rule out of manipulation. They rule for their own power. Yeah. A lot of times, I mean, today, if I'm honest, when I think of the word ruler ruling, there's kind of this negative connotation yeah, that I is think attached of oppression. to it. Interesting. You yeah, know, like, isn't that interesting? It's, sad. Yeah, it's disturbing. That's not at all how it was supposed to be. Right. At this point, when the Lord, ordains for Adam and Eve and men and women to future men and women to rule. There was no sin in the world at this time, which is really amazing to think, well, why would you even need ruling, you know, at that point? That's a great point. There is this cultivation and work even. Work was before the fall. Right. You know, we think about, oh, work, but and sometimes people are like Don't be a workaholic. Well, part of that is innately in us in the best. Now, it's wrong when we begin to worship it and we sacrifice people for our work. But in Genesis 1, even before sin, even before the fall, we are called to work. We're called to cultivate what's there, to grow what's there. We are called to rule. And I also notice co-ruling, male and female co-laboring together. And you see a real mutual, symbiotic laboring together and co-ruling together. I've been studying the book of Esther, working on a Bible study for that. <gasps> oh and Mordecai and Esther. It yes. is a I really think it's there was a redemptive narrative going through that book where God is saying, okay, I'm gonna work it out, where the Jewish people mm-hmm. will not be saved apart from Mordecai and Esther joint laboring and joint ruling. If you just put Mordecai in the mix the Jews would not have been saved if you just put Esther in the mix. Oh, that's so interesting. It took both. Same thing in some ways with Ruth and Boaz. But you see, and then you get into Jesus, of course, and you see the men and women, Paul even, men and women striving together and working together in the church. But at its best, there is this ruling. But look at what it's to be. It's to be fruitful, Mm -hmm. to multiply the earth and to subdue it, and to bring life. This is all about life and wholeness and beauty Mm -hmm. And then, of course, after the fall, you know, things get really, really bad, but the call doesn't stop. The right. The call is still for us to bring justice and righteousness and peace and to stop oppression, to stop right. injustice, to push that back. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? This is all—he connects this all to Genesis 1. The church is to be salt and light. Yeah. Salt preserves something so that decay—it slows decay down— Light pushes darkness back. Yes, We're to be both. We're to slow the decay of this world down, and we're to push darkness back as the church. So even though the fall is here, the call for us to rule, not an oppressive ruling, but I'm just trying to think, like, who can we think of in our lives? Someone who was maybe in charge of us. Maybe it was a teacher or a boss or a pastor. I've worked for some pastors over the years that I would say— did this so beautifully. Yes. You know, where they really released me in my calling and in my gifting, but I felt their protection. I felt their covering. I felt, you know, and yeah. but I also felt like we're doing this together. You trust me. I trust you. You know, like yeah. there's a beautiful symbiotic thing that's happening. And so, how can we do that? As parents, as aunts, as teachers, as bosses, right. All of us have some part of this. Well, and even in our backyards, like yeah, what, we like do. what are we cultivating? You know, in space that's bringing life. Yeah. So sorry, I just talked way too long on that, but I got excited about. it.
0: No, I was excited about it too because I just kept circling in the reading, and the reading's not even. It's pretty short for Tuesday. Mm. There was like so much kingdom language, rule, ruler, reign, heirs kingdom, thrones, priests, like there's just so much language like that that kind of made me like adjust myself (laughs) in my seat, you know? The Lord's calling you to uh, (laughs) it. He's he's saying, come on, Amanda, (laughs) step out. here's where my discomfort starts to find, like think of an example. When I think of Jesus as Mm. ruler, Jesus didn't lord his power over, like... That is not the way he moved through no. the world. Now, he had all authority and he used it. Yep. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't shrink back. Like he was, but he was not oppressive. No. He was not power hungry. He was certain and confident and he like knew exactly who he was. Mm-hmm. But also wasn't threatened. So like you think about interactions with women, like bringing that up, his interactions with women, he's not at all threatened by women. I mean, there were women who were part of funding their like ministry and the way they were moving through the area and who helped take care of them, and you know, goes on in the church, for sure. We see that in the New Testament, but also just the women who others tried to use against him in ways as like gotcha moments, Mm -hmm. and how not only was he able to turn that back around on them, right, Mm -hmm. and preach truth, like help them to actually see, no, this Uh is how it is. This is what the kingdom of God is like. But in the process, restoring. Yes, and giving them power, like go, mm-hmm. go yeah. forward, right. go and sin no more, go and tell. Uh-huh. Like actually, you all, you should be like her, mm-hmm. the one who is sitting at my feet and yes. listening. Like you dare not rebuke her, like you should be like her. So it's really interesting because when I look at Jesus, that kind of ruling I can get behind.
1: Well, what does he <laughs> say? He sums it up in Mark. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve Yeah, and to give my life as a ransom for many. He came to be a servant. And so that's where we get that servant leadership. I love on day nine too, Psalm 8, at the very end, it talks about, in verse five, you made him, or you know, man and woman, little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. And I do think that that word, I wonder if, and I have not done a study in the Hebrew on what ruler is here, but what I see here is stewardship. Uh-huh. You you made us a steward over the work that's of good. your hands. Yes. So everything, the earth, the people in it, you have called us to steward your creation and steward hearts and to be a servant, yeah. especially as we get into the New Testament, because Jesus, you're right, he is the ultimate ruler and he says, I didn't come to be served, but to be a servant and yeah. to give my life up. Yeah. So there's that constant dying to self that's going to mark. The great leaders that's in right. our life and the great rulers in our yes. life. And we also see that we don't do it by ourselves. Yes. There's This is not individual ruling. This is community. First in the garden, it's man and woman, but then as you go forward, there's a church community, and it should be life-giving. That's right. So that's exciting, though, that we have the opportunity to kind of reverse some of the effects of the fall in our very lives right now. Yes. Oh,
0: That's so good. And that word cultivating, that feels akin to stewardship Mm -hmm. to me. Like Mm it goes deeper than, I think that is my problem (laughs) when I read these is I too quickly equate ruling with power.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that is not a full Mm -hmm. understanding of this picture.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a death to right. our sin nature in order right. to truly rule the way that the Lord calls us right. to. And even that—you guys have it in the Second Timothy 2, 11 through 13, where Paul is writing to Timothy, young Timothy, and he's like, look, if we died with him, we will also live with him. What is he talking yes. about? Dying to our sin nature through, yeah. you know, in Christ. If we endure, we will reign. And so you don't get this like, hey, you got to— Go to some more leadership conferences and get a little more power and get a little bit more courage and assert right. yourself. He's <laughs> like, if you die with him, you're going to get to live with him. If you endure the hardship, you'll get to rule. You know, yeah. you'll get to reign, but not in that power-hungry way. Right? It's a lose-your-life kind of thing. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, which is very different than very what we see than when we, what we have. That's in our why when we're yeah. like, let's think of an example. Yeah, <laughs> and where we see the examples. Not to say that there aren't people in places of power that live this out. I think that there are, but where we really see it and understand it is in the more, the quieter places mm-hmm. in our lives. Yes. You know, and the actual more one on one relationships where we know people, mm-hmm. because that's when we can see, mm-hmm. you know, when we can see who people are. The suffering and healing day, I kind of knew when I turned to it, I was like, Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> because this is, you know, it's just tender, I think, to all of us. And what was interesting is I didn't, the passages surprised me
1: mm. um,
0: because I don't think they were the ones that I expected to see. And I appreciated that because I had to engage in a different way. Yeah,
1: that's good. You right? know, yeah, yeah. Which
0: I think is good. But, you know, there are a couple of just snippets, like just little windows into mm. the Psalms in that day, which it's so interesting because I think we see how, I mean, of course, there's physical suffering and physical healing. But in the Psalms, we also see so much just emotional and, like, mental anguish Mm -hmm. and the presence of God being the balm. Yes. You know, and Mm -hmm. how that very much is our right now reality and not just our future reality that mm-hmm. that God's with usness yes <laughs> you know is like scripture says the spirit is the down payment of what is to come and i know that means a lot of things but one of the things it means to me is that like we have god's presence with us now in a very real no less real way mm-hmm. but in the new heavens and the new earth, it will be just like a blown-up version of that, you know, yes. like a the fullest version of mm-hmm. that. But I love these psalms, Psalm 6-6. I yeah. am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and mm-hmm. drench my couch every night. Mm-hmm. In Psalm 39-12, hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to my cry for help. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am here with you as an alien, a temporary resident. Like all my ancestors. I mean, that's it. That's the overlap, the waiting, you know? Yes. The groaning, like you mentioned from
1: Romans, that's where we are. Yeah, and it might be helpful too, just to know, And because I, I did a little research on it, but oh, good. that Psalm 6 6, that groaning and the tears and the drenching its couch every night, it had to do with the psalmist's foes. F-O-E-S, or his Uh, enemies, or the people that were against him. And that might just be helpful for, I think, someone who... I think sometimes we can think of all manner of why we suffer and why we might be drenching our bed at night. But there is something about when someone is against us. That's right. Uh, Someone has slandered us, or someone has hurt us, or someone is out to destroy us. And there's something about that pain. So I thought that was interesting. And then... In thirty nine twelve, you know he says basically the psalmist feels estranged from God. He feels like a stranger and a foreigner to God. Oh, and and oh, so that's
0: totally different than the way I was reading. You know, it. that's and it's so just, interesting.
1: Well, yeah, because he says, "For I am here with you as yes. an alien, a temporary resident, like all my ancestors." And so he's basically, according to this one commentator, he finds himself in the place of his ancestors who had sinned against God. Because, you know, Israel, there's so much sin and brokenness. And so he's basically saying, Lord, help me. Please, please, I'm in such pain. And I feel like I'm a foreigner to you. And I Mm. feel like I am part of my heritage, which was a whole bunch of people that had sinned and therefore were exiled from you, in a sense. And so I just wonder, too, like, can we relate to that. We can. I mean, there are times where we just feel so outside as outsiders, even with the Lord, and it causes us great pain. And so that was some of the suffering. And again, according to Tremper Longman, who's a great, great, great scholar, he says at the end of that Psalm 39, he basically, his call for God to look away from him is not a request that God abandons him, but to withdraw his discipline. So it's like the discipline of the Lord sometimes can be our suffering, but yeah. it's for good. You know, yeah. it's ultimately for the psalmist good, but it's hard. And I think we can all relate to that
0: yeah. passage. And the hope, man, that Revelation 21, we get to read it again on this day. It never loses its power to me. Mm-hmm. He will wipe away. He will wipe away. It's not just that. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I love, there is something true about the way this is written, right? That mm-hmm. God himself will wipe away the tear. Even yes. the same here that like, do not be silent at my tears. And there's, you know, the Psalm, it's 86 maybe, or I don't know, 85, somewhere in there with like, you know, all my tears, you keep mm-hmm. all my tears yeah. in a bottle. Like God is aware yes. of our suffering. And so to read, to know like, okay, this is happening, this is truly my condition now and he will wipe every tear from Mm -hmm. our there is coming a day where death will be no more grief will be no more crying will be no more pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away Mm. the one seated on the throne said look i am making everything new Mm. so seeing there's something so powerful in this series to me of seeing Such a variety of scriptures placed alongside these passages from Revelation. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, and look at the Genesis passage. What happens? Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree that they are told not to eat from. Brokenness, sin, death enters the world. But then, and that's when we're living in the aftermath of all of that. Right. And then in Revelation 22, 1 through 3, but if we just go to partway through verse two, the tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. So there's gonna be endless sustenance. There's not gonna be any lack. And then look at this, the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations and there will no longer be any curse. So the tree that curses, Mm -hmm. the Lord brings a tree that will redeem. So we see right here in Revelation 22 that what Mm -hmm. was lost in Eden is going to... Be restored. This is the renewal of everything that was lost in Eden. Yes. yes. Which is so specific. It's you know, so it's specific. so specific.
0: The way that scripture talks to itself and these things that uh-huh. are, it's actually really huge concepts of like those two trees that you're talking about. Like, I'm sure there are many, many pages written oh, right, just on on Right. Trees.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. And Far above my head. Yes. But
0: the way that scripture, like, these details mean something. And when they mm. come back, it is that it comes back around in the new Eden, like the new heaven and the new earth, and that God closes the loop, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no loose ends. Like, can we add that to? Right. Well, no, we won't. Right. But there are no loose ends in the new Jerusalem. And it is just beyond our comprehension. You all are going to get to read so much more. There's Thursday, we'll read about death and life. Friday, need and abundance. You know, we just recently were in Advent and celebrated the birth of Jesus. And I thought about those words from joy to the world, far as the curse is found. Mm, Yes. You know, and that is what we're studying Yeah, in over these six weeks is what does it mean that he comes to make his blessings flow far as Mm, the curse is found. Yeah, yeah. Right? And like, what does that mean for later? Uh-huh, and what does that mean right now? right now, and I just feel like there's just this image of like the kingdom of God just on the move and spreading mm-hmm. you know around the world yes. and in our own homes and in our own communities and then across the globe, yes, in the communities there, and so. And we're a part of it. Yes. We get to be a part of it. And you already mentioned, Kelly, you gave the perfect teaser for what's coming later in this study when you were talking about that we're ministers of reconciliation. Mm. We actually, so we're going to continue kind of these same themes next week. But toward the end of this series, we will talk about what does this mean for our right now? Like, how does this change the way we're living our lives? How do we participate in this making of all things new, this remaking. And so we'll talk about ministries of flourishing, of dominion, Mm. of healing, of life, of abundance, of invitation. So sort of all the things that we're walking through now, we're going to revisit them to see what our role is. It is going to be, I think, really impactful. I want to encourage you all in your reading guides... There's a lot of interaction in this reading guide, and I just want to give you a little pep talk (laughs) to tell you to not shy away from it and to really dig in. I really appreciate especially kind of the ones in between sections where you sort of get to take like a personal inventory of sorts, and the progression of those through the study is really intentional, and it's personally so far has been, like, really meaningful to me. So I just want to invite you along in that. Yeah. But awesome. Kelly, what a tall order we gave, so and here you are, and well, you, you did it.
1: No, listen. Okay, so I got to just tell this one last oh, quick Oh, do. Quick Please do. Story. What else? That, what else do we need to talk well, about? Well, I was just thinking about, because I was trying to think in my own head, like, this idea of looking toward the new that's in Revelation. Yes. And what does this look like for us? And it reminded me of this yes. story that I had heard told about this... Missionary named Samuel Morrison, and he and his wife had been serving in Africa for 25 years in just total obscurity, total hardship, you know, way back decades ago. Yeah. And they finally had finished their 25 years and they were returning back to the United States of America. They get on this ship, and it just so happens that Teddy Roosevelt is on the ship because Teddy had been over shooting jaguars or whatever. Like he had been on like this hunting expedition for a long time. And so he gets on the ship and there's all this pomp and circumstance. And then when they pull up back to the port of the U.S. after however many weeks traveling from Africa there, there's parades and, you know, all this kind of stuff and mobs and and all this excitement. And there's this, you know, thunderous cheers and applause. and, And so at the same time as Teddy Roosevelt is getting off of this ship, This Samuel Morrison and his wife says that he quietly walks off the boat and no one was there to greet him. Mm -hmm. And he slips alone through the crowd. Because of the crush of people there to welcome the president, he couldn't even find a cab. Mm -hmm. And inside his heart, you know, he begins to be disheartened. And he says, Lord, the president has been in Africa for three weeks killing animals and the whole world turns out to welcome him home. I've given 25 years of my life in Africa serving you and no one has greeted me or even knows I'm here. Mm. And in the quietness of his heart, a gentle, loving voice whispered, but my dear child, you are not home yet. And I just, that story gets me every single time because I think of the husband and the wife and the Lord just like, you're not home yet. And I think we keep thinking that this is going to be it. We do. We keep putting our, and we're like, well, look at this person and look at that person and look at what the pat on their back. And the Lord's like, you're not home yet. There's going to be a day and it's going to be way better than a parade. (laughs) Way better. (laughs) You know, at some port. And so Mm -hmm. I just love that story. And it puts this whole week in perspective for me.
0: What a beautiful, perfect way to end this conversation. And also just like an image for us to take with us as we read this week and as we continue on in this study, because that is, I mean, that is the message. We're not Mm -hmm. home yet. And some of the home we get to carry with us while we're here, right? The Spirit is in us. The church is around us. Those things are real and also... See already in the not yet, right? Mm-hmm. He is already with us. And also we are not yet dwelling with the Lord. Right. As it will be. That's a beautiful image, and I'm thankful for it. Okay, you guys, we have teed you up. You are ready. <laughs> That's right. I'm ready. You're ready to go forward and read this week. Come back next week. Our friend Sissy Goff will be here with us and we're gonna continue to talk about everything new and what does that mean? We'll keep digging in until next week. Kelly Minter, I bet you know what we tell our friends. Keep opening your Bibles.